Hey, I'm Ferdinand, and thanks for checking out the message today. We're glad that you're here, and we would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way you can do that is to text RiverConnect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. I'm going to tell you a secret, all right? But here's the deal. If I tell you this secret, you can't tell my mom, all right? I, I, don't do it. I don't know how you would, because you probably don't know my mom. But if I tell you, you can't tell her. You got to keep it. You can tell whoever you want. Just don't tell my mom, all right? Here it is. Here it is. I have always hated my name. I have always hated my name. It's true. Even when I was little, just I never really felt connected to the name Justin. I don't know what it was. Sorry if your name is Justin. Maybe you might feel the same way, but I just don't really feel like a Justin. I've never really felt like a Justin. But the problem with the name Justin, on top of the fact that I don't like it, is there's not really many great nicknames that go with Justin, right? Like, you go by Jay or like, you know, I'm Justin, you go by JD. But even those, I'll be honest, I personally don't like them that much. And it always had been my mission to change my name. That's just kind of what I had liked. And, you know, even when I was in college, I, I was like, man, I, you know, I had lived in Florida at that point. I was going to Chicago. I was like, Maybe I, this could be the chance, right? I could change my name in college. No one would know me. I could just introduce myself as a different person. And then what happens? Two guys from my high school live in the dorm room right across the hall from me, right? And I'm like, I'm never going to be able to get away with it. They will make fun of me relentlessly. But it all kind of started back in the first grade. Yes, as early as the first grade, I knew I just didn't really want to be a Justin. When I was in the first grade, I saw this movie. It was like a really, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, not a great movie, B-list movie. Uh, but the name of the movie is called Extreme Days. And Extreme Days, what it basically is, is there's a bunch of college guys and they decide they want to take a trip across America and they want to surf and snowboard and skateboard and play paintball everywhere they possibly can. And to a first grade boy, I'm like, yes, that is my dream, right? I, whatever job that is where I get to go and do that, I would like to do it. And one of the main characters, his name was Corey. And so what I decided was, I like that name, and I want to be Corey, right? I, I want to be Corey. And so I remember going to my mom in the first grade, and I sat down with her, and I go, Mom, here's the deal. I want to change my name. I want to change my name to Corey. And I don't know, my mom does not usually do this where she indulges my delusion, but in that moment, she decided to do just that. And she said, Oh, okay, honey, it will work out. Uh, we will, apparently I don't like the name Corey. The sound booth is not like the name Corey. Um, I, I'll indulge you, right? I will go to, I don't even know what she said, but like the government office and change your name to Corey. And I remember feeling like 
victory is mine, right? Like, I, I've finally done it. I'm finally free of the name Justin. And I go to school, and I'm telling all my buddies, like, hey, don't call me Justin anymore. My name is Corey, officially, according to the government. My mom went and changed it already. Like, we're good. My name is Corey. I'm Corey Dean. And I remember thinking about this and being all excited about it. And then something horrible happened. I come into my first grade class, and I sit down, and my teacher says, hey, we're going to have a quiz. So she passed out all the quiz, and there is one answer that I don't know the, the, what to do. I don't know the answer to. It's not anything on the quiz. It's right at the top of the page, and it, it says name, right? And, I, and all of a sudden, it hits me. I don't know how to spell Corey. Right? Like, in all this preparation to change my name, I did not ever look at how to spell Corey. What am I supposed to write down? And I remember having, like, I don't remember much about my childhood, I'll be really honest. This, I vividly remember, right? Sitting in that class and having a mild panic attack, being like, well, well, what if my teacher, like, doesn't know my name has changed? I'm like, I'm sure I started rationalizing myself. Maybe the government hasn't got to her yet, right? Mom was going to go do that after she dropped me off at school. They probably didn't call my teacher and let her know. I could probably still write Justin, and she'll know who that is, right? And so I decided, all right, that's fine. I'll just write Justin, and then I'll go home, and I'll look up the name, how to spell Corey, and then tomorrow will be my first official day as Corey. So I write down Justin. And it's all good. And then, you know, pretty soon, you know, the sentimental side, you're like, well, I don't really want to get rid of the name. And by the time I got home, I had realized, actually, maybe I wanted to stay Justin. So I go to my mom and I say, hey, mom, I actually don't want to change my name. I want to stay, uh, stay with the name Justin. And she looks at me and she goes, what are you talking about? She had completely forgotten our conversation from earlier in the day. She was just messing with me the whole time. And I realized, uh, don't take mom serious when it comes to those types of things. But it's interesting, right? A lot of times uh, it, it, we think names like carry some sort of identity. Or at least when I was in first grade, I did, right? Like I thought that my identity would change with my name, right? That somehow if now I was Corey, I would be some cool skateboarding, surfboarding, you know, snowboarding, paintballer. Like somehow my parents would allow me to get a paintball gun in the first grade. Like that would be me. Like I could have some of that identity, right? I thought this guy in this movie, this character was so, so cool. And maybe if I had his name, I could just have maybe a piece of how cool he is. And that would be me. Right? I thought that name gave me a new identity. It made me something unique. It made me something uh, like interesting. And honestly, when we talk about this word identity, when we, when we say identity, identity has become kind of a hot button thing in our culture, in our world. Right? Even when I just start talking about identity, some of you are like, Oh no, where's he going with this, right? What's he going to talk about tonight? I don't know if that's something that I want to dive into. Or you start to get prickly, right? You're just waiting for me to say something that you're going to disagree with and not like. Because it has this, this weight to it nowadays. It seems like just the idea of identity is just riddled in controversy, right? Your mind, mind may go to gender identity and all the hot button issues that come along with that. 
It may go to political identity. And you start thinking, whoa, what side of the fence is Justin going to vote on in the upcoming elections? What's he watching for? You may start thinking about sexual identity and all the different things that are coming up in that. And even how that battle has crept into the church and how it's begun to wage war. And there's just identity issue after identity issue that comes up over and over and over again. And a lot of us just want to put up a shield to it. Or some of us may want to pick up a sword and attack. And it's hard because identity is something very central to what we have in Scripture. In the New Testament, the writers are constantly talking about where our identity should be. What our identity should be based in. Where we should find our identity. How we should let our identity define us. And newsflash, all those hot button issues are not what they're talking about. Yeah, they may have things to do with them. They may address them. But all those issues, gender identity, political identity, sexual identity, and all the myriad of identities that we like to look at as a culture are not what scripture is focused on. They, the scripture is focused on our spiritual identity. And the spiritual identity is something that is very clear and laid out in scripture. And to me, as I look in scripture, I find an identity that far surpasses any other thing that the world likes to take and grab hold of to make them unique, right? To make them an individual, to let them define who they are. As believers, we have an identity, and this identity, it supersedes all other identities. It's far greater. It's far more influential. And if you're going to be really honest, it's far more comforting, we're going to take a look at that tonight. But before we do, let's take a moment and pray. Lord, tonight I'm excited to take a look at what your word has for us. Lord, we're taking a look at a passage that has brought me great comfort and joy. And Lord, tonight I pray that that joy extends to my brothers and sisters in this room. Lord, and I pray that if someone is in this room who maybe has never identified with you, Lord, that tonight they would see their need for that. They would hear the gospel clearly and that your Holy Spirit would work on their hearts. In your precious and holy name, Jesus' name, amen. So turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Last week, Pastor Jason did a fantastic job. He kicked off this new series that we've been diving into called Identity. Uh, and uh, he talked uh, about you know, how def- uh, identities are defined specifically in relationships. And he talked about uh, different relationships and how that ha- impacts our identity and, and, and through that lens of relationships, right? And it's interesting because we've been, we jumped into this identity series and we've been looking at this series for a while. And there was one kind of tagline as we read it that got us excited as we were putting together this sermon series last year. And as I prepared for this message and I prepared for the series as a whole, I read this tagline and it continues to get me excited and it continues to move my heart. And so I wanted to read it for you this this, this evening, it says this. 
Instead of attempting to earn God's approval or wallowing in our imperfections, we can rest in the work of Jesus and find freedom to live as our truest selves. When we understand our story through the lens of his story, we naturally view ourselves and others differently. And so over these next weeks, we're going to be taking a look at some passages in Ephesians where clearly we see God's story and how it plays out. And as we take a look at God's story, we will see our identity in that story. And how his story and his identity impacts our identity. And how we should live differently out of those things. And so tonight as we're in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, I want you to clearly think about that. right? As you hear this story and as you see this picture of God's story, where do you fit in? How do you fit in? And how is your identity impacted by that? And so in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, he kicks off his letter to the church at Ephesus. And he wants them to understand, right, this story of God. And he wants to see, he wants them to see how their story fits in. Because all of what he has to say in the rest of the letter is impacted by who they are because of it. And so he writes this this preamble or this kickoff to the rest of the letter by laying down the very story that saved them. And every time I read this section of verses in Ephesians chapter 1, to me, it is one of the deepest, most encouraging, most enlightening, and most beautiful passages that we find in Scripture. Not the most, right? That's not my job to determine what is the single most, but it's up there. And for me, every time I read it, my heart is moved. And I pray that tonight your heart would be moved as well as Paul is used by the Holy Spirit to illustrate this story of the gospel so simply and clear as a work of art, beautiful and never ceasing to amaze. And so we're going to kind of chop it up in some different things. So let's dive in. Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 3. Verse 1 and 2, Paul's kind of uh, addressing the letter, and he's identifying himself as the writer. And so we jump in in verse 3, where he begins to tell this story. It says this, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. And so right here we see the characters of this story, right? It kicks off with exactly who the characters are. He says, to start off, we have God the Father, right? We have God the Father who is above all things. He is the judge. He is the manifester of the will, right? And he has sent his son, right? The son who is Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came and who lived on earth and who was both God and man and who came to us. He is the Lord. He is everything, Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says us, right? You guys know who that is, right? That's us, right? That's that's you and that's me. That's us together. That's the, the people that Paul is writing to. That's Paul himself. I must be moving too much. 
But he's writing and he says, here are all the different characters. Here is what you see. And keep these things in mind because there are going to be different things in this passage where you'll see, well, this comes from this person and this comes from that person and all of them go to this, right? And so stay focused on who the people are in this story. He lays it out. He says, pay close attention. And I love that he starts this off with this blessed, this idea of blessed. He says, pay attention, pay attention, because here's the thing. A lot of times when you think of God and us, you don't think of great things, right? We haven't honored God in the best way. We've done some pretty horrible things. But he starts it off, he says, no, 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 no. What we're going to talk about is some good stuff. We're going to talk about some blessings, blessings to God, blessings to us, from God, there is some fantastic things. So pay close attention. And he continues. But we're going to start back in verse 3. It says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the richness of his grace. So he tells this story, the story of what's happened. And he says, listen closely. Listen closely. See all these things. Out of all these things, here is your identity. Your identity is not whatever the world wants to tell you. Your identity is not your name. And if you want to be a great skateboarder or snowboarder, right? Your identity is not your social security number. Your identity is now a chosen one. A chosen one. Your identity is now chosen. When you look at yourself, you should not see yourself as anything else but chosen by God. And this is, this is hard. For some of you in this room, that may be a hard thing to grasp. Right? This may be the first thing that you've ever felt chosen by. Right? Maybe you think to yourself, you know, I'm the outcast. I'm the misfit. I'm the one that when people walk in, they're trying to avoid eye contact with me. Maybe you're the one that's felt shame. You're the one who's felt less than. Maybe you were picked last in dodgeball. Or maybe you were picked first in dodgeball, but no one really wanted to talk to you afterward. And as for me, as I look in this passage and so often I feel that way as the one who's not chosen. I am extremely comforted as I see that God chose me. And that's what this passage is trying to illustrate here, is God chose us. He chose you and I. Because here's the deal, if we're honest... 
And we want to paint the picture of somehow that we chose God, right? I made the decision to give my life over to God. I want to ask you this question. How good are you at making good choices? Right? I don't know about you, but I, in my life, have proven that I am not good at making good choices. So why in the world would I ever think that I alone could make the best choice? I didn't. I can confidently say I did not make that choice. God made that choice because he loved me. And we see this portrayed in this story, the story of the gospel. Right? It's illustrated where he talks about, you know, there was you and then there was God, right? And you were living in sin. You were living in your choices that were rebelling against God, that were disobedient, that chose sin again and again and again. You were a child of sin. That's what you knew. Your family is sin. Your inheritance is death. And you will continue to live in sin and live in sin and live in sin. But the thing is, God chose you. And I love that section, right? In Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, starting in verse four, even as he chose us in him, he's talking about Christ, in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as as sons through Jesus Christ, according to his purpose and will. Right, we see all those characters right there. We are the ones who were the outcasts. We were the ones who are the sinful. We are the ones who are destined for despair, who our sin has led us to death and choice after choice has chosen to rebel against God. And here we are. And then there's God. And God had every right to punish God had every right to destroy. God had every right to judge. But even before we were born, he changed our destiny. Even before we were born, he looked and he said, no, 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 I want that one. You see, it's not because of anything we had done, because A, we hadn't done anything yet, and B, all the decisions we make are evil, it was simply because he had a love for us. It was simply because he cared for us. And so we see, right, here, there's us and then there's God. And God has this heart for us, this desire for us to be saved. But there's this third character, right, where we talk about Christ Jesus. And we see all these things are done in him. He he says, you know, God, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus. Some of you may be like, well, how's that happening? I don't know much about the adoption process, but how is that happening? And we see that what 
Paul is doing is he's painting this picture of what happened in the gospel. Right? And as Jesus is both God and man, he came down and he lived. He lived as man, but also as the son of God. And he lived a perfect life. Not becoming a child of sin. Not living in disobedience. Not living in rebellion against God. But living as God's son on earth. But he sought forgiveness for us. He sought redemption for us. He saw us and he cared for us and his heart was broken the same way his father's was. And so he went and he died on the cross for us. He took the death that we had earned on himself. He took the separation that we had earned on himself. He took the separation and bore it himself. And he died and he rose again. And through that, right? When, it, when we read this passage and it says, through that, through him, we have these things. It was brought about by Christ's sacrifice for us. And through him, we have become adopted. I love that verse. Five, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to be to the praise and and of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved who is Christ Jesus. He has blessed us in Christ Jesus. In him we have redemption through his blood, right? That he literally bled the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. You see, you see this beautiful, this beautiful, beautiful picture of the gospel this beautiful picture of how you've been brought from sin and you've been brought into the reality of a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ They got me wired up tonight. But there's this, there's this picture, right, of who he is and, and what he's done and how we have be, been moved from this, this place of sin, right, this child of sin and death and everything that's come from that into a child of life. He talks about it as adoption. And I love that picture because here's the thing. Your identity is a child of God. Your identity is a child of God. 
And for you, being a child, being part of a family may carry some real hurt. Right? When you think of your family or maybe you think of your parents and you're like, man, that wasn't a great situation. I'm carrying some burdens from that. I don't know that I want a new father. I don't know that I want to be part of a new family. I don't know that I want new siblings. That hasn't really worked out for me in the past. This is unlike anything you've ever experienced. This is how it's supposed to be. This is how love is truly given. This is how care is truly brought to you. Your Father in heaven is where comfort truly comes. Where even in the most difficult times, you can find protection. Where you can find love. You see, you were a child of sin, of wrath, of death, of your disobedience. But you now have, through the actions of Jesus Christ, you have been adopted by God. You have. He chose you. He loves you. His desire is to have you part of his family. His desire is to see your identity as one of his. And as part of the family of God, as being adopted in, you are given this inheritance This inheritance which you receive in part now and you will receive in full in eternity through salvation. What Jesus did is he came down, he lived a perfect life and he allowed you to have his inheritance. He gave you salvation through his death and resurrection. And for me, the question that I always ask because I'm a big question guy is, Well, what does that look like? Yeah, Justin, you're telling me that my identity is supposed to be, you know, a chosen one. My identity is supposed to be a child of God, an adoptive part of the family. But what does that mean? What does that look like? How does that change my recovery journey? How does that change my life? What's the difference? You say that this identity is so much better than all the other identities. How does it change anything. And Paul's going to answer that question, not me. If you continue on verse eight, he says, he's given all these things. He's redeemed you through the blood of Christ. He's shown you this grace. And he continues, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. This identity 
it leads you to purpose. This identity, it leads you to fulfillment. This identity leads you to contentment. This identity leads you to joy. This identity leads you to wisdom. This identity leads you to understanding. This identity leads you to a purpose. And that purpose is to follow God. A purpose that's more than addiction. A purpose that's more than, you know, just self-help. Or self-fulfillment, or you know, just trying to get a taste of whatever it is. It's more than chasing money, it's more than chasing fame, it's more than power, it's a purpose of serving your father, the one who loves you, who cares for you, who comforts you, who is there. It is a deep sense of contentment, of fullness, of joy. And some of you have gotten caught up in defining yourselves as something else and a, sought, and, a, and a desire to feel full, but then you wonder why you feel empty and lost because nothing else can fulfill. Because the thing that you're placing your identity in is fading. The thing that you're placing your identity in is a fad. It changes along the way. You know who doesn't change? The Lord. You know that what's not a fad? Christ Jesus. You know what doesn't have ups and downs? The Lord's purpose for your life. It is constant. And what it is, is fulfillment. And it is through the work of Christ Jesus. Yeah, there may be ups and downs. The world may present you with hardship. And there may be times uh, of ease, but God remains the same in those things. And he offers you the same joy and the same peace and the same salvation in the midst of all things. When your identity becomes a child of God, when your identity becomes someone who is chosen by God, your happiness, it doesn't, uh, doesn't become something that's dependent on the moment. Fear starts to fade in the midst of uncertainty. Loneliness flees. Why? Because we can be confident that we are loved. That when we make mistakes, when we mess up, when we relapse, when we struggle, when we're feeling temptation, God's love remains the same. Because he chose you before the foundations of the earth. He had a plan set in motion long before you were born for your salvation. And we can find comfort in that. I find comfort in that. When there are just days when I struggle, when there's days when I doubt, when there's times when my heart hurts, when I don't know what to pray because I'm so frustrated, I look to passages like this and I remember that God still chose me. And it's not because of anything I did. It's not because I went to, to Bible school. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's, it's not because of anything. It's because he loved me. Because I know that I'm a screw-up. I know that I'm incapable of making good and wise choices on my own. 
but there is one who made a choice for me. He chose me, and that is Christ Jesus, that is God, who predestined me for salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you're sitting in this room and you look and you say, man, my identity is all over the place. I can't figure out what's going on with me. I can't figure out who I am. I feel like every single day something else is going on. Maybe you're being called to a greater identity. One that far surpasses any of the other things that I talked about, but is a child of God. If you want to talk more about that, I would love to talk with you. One of my leaders would love to talk with you. We would love to share with you more about the gospel and talk about how the gospel has changed us and how our identity has become something far greater than anything we could have chosen for ourselves. And we would love to share with you how Christ Jesus has stepped in and changed us. But maybe... Maybe you're in this room and you've been a believer for a long time, but you're still, you're still feeling like you're coming up short. You're still feeling like, I mean, maybe this identity thing, like, maybe I just don't get it. Maybe you're, you've gotten trapped in this cycle of feeling like you need to earn that relationship with Jesus. You're feeling like, man, I just always feel like I'm coming up short. I don't even deserve him. Here's the honest truth. You don't. I don't. That didn't mean he doesn't cho- didn't choose you. Stop trying to earn. Stop trying to please and follow. Recognize your identity. Your identity is not good person. Your identity is not fill in the blank. It is child of God. It is chosen by God. And find comfort in that and serve out of that. Pray out of that. Dive into the word of God out of that. Out of an understanding that his love and care for you surpasses what you try and do. The decisions you make, good or bad. Because he loves you, because he chose you, because he sent his son to redeem you. And so tonight, maybe you're sitting here and you're feeling all myriad of stuff. I'd, I'd encourage you, come, come and talk to a table leader. Table leaders will down, be down front in, in this next song. If you need prayer, maybe you need help going to God. Maybe you just need support, someone to lay their hand on your shoulder as you go and pray. Because you don't feel like you can do it alone. There'll be table leaders down front here who would love to pray with you, who would love to encourage you, who would love to pray for you, who would love to answer questions because we have seen the identity that we've been given in Christ and we want to help you see that as well. We want to help you. We want to encourage you in that as well. But as I close, I wanted to read this verse one more time and I want you to just one more time look and see how God has chosen you and then I'm gonna pray and the band's gonna come up. It says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be homely and blameless in him. 
in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as we or as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you because you chose me. A messed up, no good, worthless misfit. Who made decision after decision in disobedience against you. Who sinned earned me death, right? I earned my death. Lord, and I, I thank you. I thank you that you chose me. And Lord, I thank you that you, you, son, you sent your son to die for me. That you sent your son so I could be adopted. Lord, and we thank you. Lord, we thank you because you love us. Lord, if there's one thing we don't deserve, it's love, but you give it. Lord, and I pray for whoever it is in this room who doesn't know that love, Lord, that they would see it tonight. Lord, that they would see their need for you. And Lord, I pray for us all that we wouldn't find identity in the things that are passing or fading in this world, that we wouldn't find identity in whatever is popular or whatever we think gives us meaning, but we would find our identity in what matters. And what matters is being your sons and daughters. Lord, what matters is being chosen by you. Lord, and I pray that we would make that our identity, that we would, we would live in that reality. Lord, we stop trying to earn our salvation. We stop getting focused on shame. We stop getting focused on whatever it may be, not being worth it we'd accept that love and we'd live for you as sons and daughters who want to honor their heavenly father a father who loves and cares and comforts and protects as a good father Lord and that we would have fellowship with our brothers and sisters we remind each other that we've been chosen Lord, but that we would ultimately look 
to our Lord Jesus Christ. And we praise him for all that he's done. For the blood that he shed for our redemption and our forgiveness. Lord, we praise you. We honor you. We worship you. Your precious and holy name, Jesus' name. Amen.